Welcome to this message from Port Life Church. Our goal is to bring life to the Port community and beyond. And our hope is that this message will inspire and encourage you today. On Thursday night, Nick shared about the past system. He shared how complex and difficult it was for people to be able to even approach God. But today on Easter Sunday, I'm going to be talking about the present. I'm going to be talking about how, because of what Jesus has done, it is so easy for us to come into God's presence. But before we can really grasp how amazing our present situation is, let's take some time to recap the past. Our God is a good and loving God, and when he created the world, he made it perfect. Unfortunately, humans disobeyed God. And as a result, every single person who is born, every single one of us is a sinner. We all do wrong things. And our sin separates us from a perfect and holy God. It says in Isaiah 59 that your sins have cut you off from God. Or in the NIV, it says your iniquities have separated you from God. So in the past, our sin separated us from a holy, perfect God. And so for people to come into God's presence, it was very difficult. It was something that only one person could do in one place, once a year, for one reason. So firstly, there was only one place where people could meet with God, where they could go into God's presence. And that was in the temple in Jerusalem. When the Israelite nation formed thousands of years ago, God gave them rules um, and instructions on how to live and how to worship him. And part of that was the building of a tabernacle, which was the tent, which was the temporary version. And later, when they settled um, in the promised land, it was the temple. So when we say temple and tabernacle, we mean the same thing. Because they had the same design. Both had a holy place at the beginning of the temple. And the holy place Um, was a place where the priests could enter to uh, offer sacrifices. And then there was a curtain. And behind that curtain was the most holy place. And this is where the Ark of the Covenant was. And Nick talked about this in great detail on Thursday night and encourage you to listen to that if you missed it. But the Ark of the Covenant was significant because that was where God's presence was. He promised the people of Israel uh, in Exodus chapter 25 verse 22 that he would meet them there in that most holy place. That is where his presence would dwell. Now the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place was really significant because it was a symbol of the sin that separates us from God. And we have this visual here of the curtain. And on Thursday night, the curtain was closed. And I want you to keep that image in your mind as I'm sharing this morning this image of a curtain that separated us from God. So God's presence was in this temple, but the problem was only a priest could enter the temple. Priests could enter that holy place initially, um, but only, it says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, only the high priest could actually enter the most holy place where God's presence was. Now the priests were descendants of Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. And one was appointed to be the high priest, just one. And that high priest would be in place for their lifetime. And so an ordinary everyday Israelite, if they were not born into that particular family, 
had no hope ever of going into the temple. And even if you were blessed enough to be born into Aaron's family, you had to be, you know, only one got chosen to be the high priest and actually go into God's presence. So the ordinary everyday Israelite could never in their lifetime even hope of coming into God's presence. They could come into the temple courtyard, they could bring their offering and they could bring it up to the entrance of the temple. That was as far as they could go. And then a priest would come and take their offering for them, go into the holy place and sacrifice it on their behalf. And so the priest and the high priest acted as a mediator between the people and God. But the people themselves had no opportunity ever of going into God's presence. And even the high priest couldn't go into the most holy place whenever he wanted. Hebrews 9, 7 says that they only entered once a year. And this was on the Day of Atonement. They literally were not allowed to go in more often. It says in Leviticus 16, verse 2, that the Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain whenever he chooses. If he does, he will die. So the high priest could only go in once a year and only after they'd followed this big long list of requirements and Nick went through that in more detail. But things like the clothes that they had to wear, the bathing that they had to do, the incense that they had to burn, the sacrifices they had to do, what they had to do with the sacrifices. And I encourage you to read it in Leviticus chapter 16. It's just to give you a picture of how complex it was this one day a year to go into God's presence. And it says that if he didn't do it right on that one day that he was allowed in there, he would die. So not only could he not go in whenever he wanted or he would die, but even on the one day he was allowed, he had to follow all the requirements perfectly or he would die. And that might seem really dramatic until you remember that the high priest, like us, was a sinful human being. And all these procedures and processes enabled this sinful man to go into the presence of the Holy God. I was actually talking about my son with this the other day and I was telling him about it. And I was like, how do you think you'd feel going into the, holy, the most holy place that one day of the year? And he was like, scared. And I was like, yeah, I think you'd be terrified. In the weeks leading up, you'd be really excited that you're actually getting to go into the presence of the creator of the heavens and the earth, and at the same time, absolutely terrified that you get it wrong. Because he knew he was human, that he made mistakes. He knew that he was sinful and wasn't worthy of God's presence. And so he would have been terrified of being in God's presence. So in the past, you could only go into God's presence in one place. Only one person could do it, and only once a year on the Day of Atonement. And the only reason, there was only one reason that that priest could enter, and that was to seek atonement for the sins of the people. In Leviticus 16.34, we see that the purpose of the Day of Atonement was to purify the people of Israel from their sins, making them right with the Lord once each year. For all the sins of the previous year, there would be this day of atonement to make things right. But that was it. That was the only reason the high priest was allowed in to God's presence, was to make atonement for the sins. Now that was obviously a big deal, that was an important thing, but 
I mean, I don't know about you, but if I had the opportunity to go into the presence of God, you'd think, well, I'd like to ask you to heal me of my sicknesses or perhaps show me what I'm meant to be doing in this situation or, um, you know, give me comfort for these worrying things that I'm dealing with. But that was not what the purpose was. The purpose was just to go in and receive atonement. So the writer of Hebrews summarises that past situation perfectly in Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 7. It says, Only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins, and for the sins of the people, the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By these regulations, the Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely open, as long as the tabernacle and the system it represented were in use. It was not freely open. The curtain was closed. And for thousands, of over a thousand years, this was a system that was in place for God's people. If they wanted to enter into his presence, it was only in one place in the temple in Jerusalem. It was only one person, the high priest. It was only once a year on the day of atonement. And it was only for one purpose, to seek atonement. That is the past. And then 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. Yes. <laughs> he sent him as a little baby. And that little baby grew up. And when he was 30 years old, he began his ministry, teaching people to love and to be kind, teaching people to repent and turn from their sins, healing the sick, raising the dead. And at the age of 33, he was betrayed by a friend, falsely accused by the religious leaders that were jealous of him, and then crucified by their Roman oppressors. It says in Luke chapter 23, it records the time of his death in verse 44. It says, by this time it was about noon and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Jesus died, but that wasn't the end of the story. In Matthew chapter 28 from verse 1, it says, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as he said would happen. Today on Easter Sunday, we celebrate that Jesus didn't stay dead. He is alive. He defeated death, came back to life, and then appeared to the disciples and other believers over a period of 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven to the throne room of God, where he sits at the right hand of God. And today we celebrate Easter, not just because Jesus was a good man or a prophet or a good teacher. We celebrate his death and resurrection because of what it means for us today. 
See, Jesus didn't just die and rise again. The Bible tells us he was the perfect sacrifice. That in dying, he gave himself up. He took our place for our sins. And as Nick shared, his death was the true day of atonement, not just for the Israelites, but for all people for all time. What Jesus did is he replaced the old system with a new system. In Hebrews 10, I'm just gonna pick up some of the verses from this chapter. It says, the old system under the law of Moses, and that's the temple, the high priests, the sacrifices, all of that, was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. But our high priest, Jesus, offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. So the old system couldn't take away people's sins. But Jesus' death and resurrection created a new system. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, so that Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. See, under this new system, instead of having a temple in Jerusalem, we have a temple in heaven, the spiritual temple. And this temple, God's throne room, where he dwells in the most holy place, I mean, the temple was just a copy of that, a shadow, a preview of God's glorious temple in heaven. And under the new system, Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. And his blood, unlike the, bull, the blood of bulls and calves, can actually cleanse all people for all time. And Jesus is now our high priest. He sits at the right hand of God and mediates between God and us. What this means is that on the cross, Jesus paid for my sins. He paid for your sins. And he offers to forgive us and to save us. And this is a free gift that he offers us. But like any gift, we have a choice whether or not we accept it, whether we allow him to pay for our sins. And I know there's many of you here today who have already done that, that have accepted Jesus' gift of salvation. But there might be some of you here today who have not done that, or who are not sure if you've done that. Perhaps you've come to church, perhaps you believe in God, you read the Bible, you pray, but you're not sure whether you have been saved, whether you have been forgiven. And you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to do. Jesus did all the hard work. All we have to do, the Bible says, is ask Jesus to be our Lord and ask him to forgive us for our sins. All we need to do is say, Jesus, I believe in you, be my Lord. And Jesus, I'm so sorry for all the things I've done wrong. Tell him all the things you've done wrong. And say, do you do all of this out loud? And you say, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. 
And if we do this, the Bible says that we'll be forgiven, we will be saved, we'll get given a new life and we become a child of God. That is all we have to do. And if you've never done that or you would like some help to do that, I mean, you can do this yourself in your own home or come and see me or one of the other pastors afterwards. We'd love to to stand with you as you say these words and commit your life to Jesus and step over from death to life, from sin to forgiveness. It's the best thing you can ever do. So we've talked about the past. We've talked about what Jesus did on the cross with his resurrection and ascension into heaven. I wanna finish off by talking about the present. If you've accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, then that old system is irrelevant. In fact, it's irrelevant anyway. There is no option for you to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, and to bring your offerings to the priest. That system is now obsolete. It is gone. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, he made a new way for us to approach God. When he died, the curtain tore in two. The sin that separated us from God was ripped apart as Jesus paid for that sin. What this means is there's no barrier between us and God. There's no barrier between us and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus who rules over the God's house, let us go right in to God's presence. The curtain is torn and now, in any place, at any time, anyone, for any reason, can go into God's presence. In the past, it was one place in the temple. Now, any place. You can enter into God's presence, not just in a church, but when you're driving in your car, when you're doing the dishes, when you're going for a walk, anywhere you are, you can go into God's presence. You don't have to get on a plane and go to Jerusalem, anywhere you can be into God's presence. In the past, only one person could enter God's presence, but now anyone who's accepted Jesus' gift of salvation can approach God. And we don't just have to tiptoe, we don't have to question whether God wants us, we don't have to follow any requirements to get in there. We just can boldly come into His presence. It says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 14, since then, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us come boldly into the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it most. Unlike the high priest, nervous about what was gonna happen, would he get it right? Would he die? We don't have any fear. We don't have to worry about whether we are acceptable or whether we would do it right because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He did it perfectly so that we don't have to. We can be bold. 
We can be excited, we can be confident as we enter into God's presence, knowing that we are not just allowed, but that we are desired. He wants us to come into His presence. In the past, you could only enter once a year on the Day of Atonement. Now, we can come in any time. We don't have to wait one day a year. We can enter God's presence every single day of the year. 10 times a day, 100 times a day, however many times we want, we can enter into God's presence. And we can do it. In the past, it was only for one reason. And today, we can do it for any reason. We can come to Him for forgiveness, yes. But we can also come to Him with our sickness. We can come to Him with our worries and our concerns, with our circumstances. We can come to Him with our joy. We can come to Him when we need direction. We can come to Him for every single thing that we need. We can step eagerly, boldly, confidently into His presence. It says when we come in, in Hebrews chapter six, 4, verse 16, when we come into the throne room, we will receive His mercy and we will find His grace to help us. Not judgment, not rejection, we will find His grace and His mercy. Any place, anyone, anytime, for any reason. You know, I was trying to think of an example that would help us understand, get that picture in our head of how amazing this is. And I mean, I took my cue from the scripture which talks about the throne room of God. And so if you picture a king sitting on his throne, even the most important people in the land can't just come in to the throne room anytime. They have to have an appointment or they have to be invited in. But the children of the king, the princes and the princesses, they can come running up to their dad's lap at any time. They don't have to bow and scrape and, and get an appointment. They can go running in and jump on dad's lap and know they are welcome. That they can tell him how they hurt their elbow at school or how they're having trouble with this friend or they can tell him, you know, that mum wouldn't let them have the dessert they wanted. They can come and say whatever they want because he is not just the king to them. He's also their dad. And I think that's a really beautiful image. But I realised it was not a perfect illustration. Because even the children of a king can't come in any time. There are times when the doors are shut to the throne room because dad has an important meeting about important things that are not for the children. But our heavenly father, the king of all kings, the creator of the heavens and the earth, he says the door is never shut. The curtain is always open. We are never told this is not a good time. We are always welcome to come running into our Father's arms. Can I get the band to come? The important question I wanna answer now is if the way is open, how do we enter? How do we actually enter into God's presence? How do you do that? 
Well, like I just said, there is no complicated, complex way. There is no sacrifice or offering we have to bring. There is no special clothes we need to wear or special place we need to be. There is no big, long list of requirements. I wanna show you how easy it is to go into God's presence. All you have to do is call out His name. You just have to say, Jesus, I need your help today. And you are in God's presence. You just need to say, God, I thank You for all You've done for me. And you are in His presence. You just need to say, Lord, please help me with this situation. And you are in His presence. You are with the Creator of the heavens and the earth and the King of kings when you just call out His Name. That's it. There's nothing else. There is nothing separating us from Him. We just have to talk to Him and we are there. writing this message on Thursday. I wrote it all and was really struck. It's a very simple message, but I was really struck again. I, knew, I know this stuff, I've preached on this before, but I was really struck by how powerful it was. Then about five or 10 minutes later, I had something come up that I had to deal with. And I just went, oh, Jesus, can you just please help me with this situation? like a light bulb went on in my head. It was like the penny dropped. I had an epiphany, whatever you want to call it. Where I was like, oh my goodness. I can just talk to you, God. I do this all the time and I take it for granted. The people in the Old Testament had to go through all of this stuff if they wanted to come into your presence. And I can and do just talk to you of what Jesus did, I don't have to go through this big, long process. The the curtain is open. I can go in anytime. And my prayer for you today is that you have that same penny drop moment, that same epiphany of, I can just talk to Him. I can just come into His presence anytime. my challenge to you is that once we get that realisation of what a privilege it is, that we don't have to do all that stuff anymore, that we can just come straight to Him, then let's not think, oh, God can't, you know, like He's just too busy or I can sort it out myself. I don't want to bother God. It's not a bother. Let us remember wants us to come in. He went through all of that. He suffered so much because He wants us to come in. Let us this Easter come into His presence. Not just once, but over and over again. Let's bring Him our worries, our fears, our sickness, our sin, our pain, our circumstances, our joys, our everything. Let's call out to Him, Jesus, Lord, here's my situation. Show me, guide me, direct me, help me, forgive me, change me. Let us call out to Him. Emily has written a beautiful song just for this weekend and we're gonna sing it now. And as the band sing it, where you are in your seats, can 
I encourage you this Easter, let us come into His presence. Thanks for listening to this message from Port Life Church. If you have any questions, please email info at portlife.org.au. Have a great day.